0: You know when your mojo is working, you feel like anything is possible. There's a spring in your step, your thoughts are clear, and, well, you've just got the vibe. If you're looking for that vibe, or if you just want to keep it, you've come to the right station. Welcome to the Mojo Radio Show.
1: I
2: got my mojo
3: working just won't work on you. Hey, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of the Mojo Radio Show. Thank you for hitting the download button. Nice to have your company. Good to have you on the big red bus that is the Mojo Radio Show. We have got a crack. I know I say it every week, but this week, I promise you, is going to be a cracker, and I've only got one request for you this week. Share this with somebody that means something to you. That's all I'm going to say, because this is a cracking show on a topic which is very dear to our own heart. The one thing you could do that would help somebody else or help us out is to share this show because I promise you it'll make a difference in their world. We're going to get straight into it. Before we do it, let's hit the go button. Robbo, welcome. How are you, buddy? I'm very well, mate. How are you? I'm really well. Yeah, very, very well. We... um, we're going to do something a little bit different this week. We yeah. are going to launch straight into our guest.
1: We are, because she's awesome, isn't she? Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> she's tops. Tops and that. Tops, mate. Tops. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's do it. It's no secret we pre-record these. We recorded this a couple of weeks ago. But how did you come across, Laura? Because she's really switched on.
3: Uh, surprisingly, Unlike she you. started following me on
1: Twitter. Right. Yeah, Twitter. <laughs> yes.
3: <laughs> no, she did. She uh, she made contact with me on Twitter. And I'm not sure why. Mm. But for some reason, I clicked through to check Laura's profile to see what Laura was about and why we would connect up. Um, yeah. And i just i was going through her profile and i started looking at a book she'd written called emotional obesity and the whole premise of it is that we talk about obesity in terms of wellness and health and the weight we're carrying mm. but this is all the weight we're carrying from what people have said to us our false beliefs our lack of self-esteem that builds up in us from when we're kids to we get to the point where we're carrying all this baggage and I just thought, you know, that is such a cool concept and it was put in such a profound, simplistic, yet helpful way. So I just replied through Twitter to Laura and invited Laura to be on the show. Uh, and thankfully, Laura said, yes. So we have Laura on the line right now. Laura Coe, welcome to the Mojo Radio Show.
2: Thank you so much for having me.
3: All the way from Chicago in the United States. so we have got a good audience, actually, in the States. So All our friends over there in the USA, welcome. Um, Laura, just to put us in the picture, can you give us an idea of the sort of work you're doing and generally who you'd be doing it for or with?
2: Yeah, so, you know, I... I started off in my career in my early 20s as an entrepreneur. Um, I thought it was like a smart thing to do. I had an opportunity and I took advantage of it. Um, And I actually built a successful business. Um, I sold it to a Fortune 500. I had everything that Americans would think of as the American dream, you know, the the life going. Um, And I thought to myself, well, you know what, I really want to just do something that feels authentic. I want to you know, Mm. shift up my life a little. As much as I felt successful, I never felt like that person, you know, that person that says like, they love what they do. Um, I just never was that person. So I was really looking to find out how to have that feeling like, you know, my eyes are wide open, I'm super excited and I can say with with super amounts of truth, this is what I love. Um, So I stepped out to find an authentic career and I found that it was so much harder than I thought it would be. Um, I basically beat my head up against the wall for three years and I realized in this process, I was emotionally obese. And the work I have spent the the last couple of years on is what happens to us when we try to figure out what we want in our life and why is it so hard to access? And what I came up with is, you know, by reading the philosophy and all the, um, I'm a philosophy undergrad and graduate student, and I've been studying it for 20 years, that it's really these layers um, that we have placed on ourselves, this emotional weight that keeps us from, you know, finding our dreams, finding what makes sense for us.
3: I read a story about you, Laura, that said you had this epiphany at 30,000 feet in the air (laughs) and you thought about your world and all the success you'd had, but you never felt successful. And then it sounds like you then sat down to go through this work to find that authentic something that you love. That moment where it came to light for you, tell us about that moment and what you think was the trigger.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, I, I want to make sure not to oversimplify because it was like two years of my Mm. going down the same path over and over coming out with the same result where I would justify, you know, I should be doing something that makes sense. Uh, For me, that was... I was an entrepreneur. I should probably go look at another business opportunity. I'll I'll be able to pay my bills well. It's something I'm good at, right? And I I would go down these paths over and over and I'd say, "Oh my god, it doesn't feel authentic." And since I'd made that one promise to myself, which I literally think was just a bit lucky on my part and that I was willing to stick with it, um I kept coming up empty-handed and I would stop and I would try again. And finally I found myself Trying different things. And one of the things I've always thought of is I, I love to write, but I never thought I would write. Like, again, that was so far out of my justification system. Like, who's really a writer? Like, that doesn't pay. How do you get started? You know, I'm 35, and I had so many reasons why I shouldn't do that. But um, I did, and I got a computer. And I had read somewhere like, you know, if you want to try something, just take one step, like do one thing. So I got Mm. that in my mind and I bought this computer as a little welcome home from living in corporate for 15 years. I got a Mac (laughs) instead of a PC. Of course.
1: (laughs) Is there any other type?
2: (laughs) Right? So I'm at the University of Chicago here is where I live and there's a beautiful business school. And I sat down in this incredible atrium. And I started to write and I, well, I basically stared at this screen and I was paralyzed. Um, And after sort of battling with myself, no, I'm going to do this despite the, what I now call like junk food thoughts going through my head and all this stuff that's just driving me crazy. I got myself around the idea to write a page and I let go for a minute. And I wrote this uh, one page of thoughts on what now became my book um, and I called my partner and I started to read it and I actually started to cry. And I'm not somebody who cries. I mean, it takes an incredible amount to cry. But it was like this watershed moment of, oh, my God, this is really me. And I just knew it in my, in my deepest self.
3: It's such a profound piece, Laura, that it goes back to something that I, I read that you wrote about us being scared to say, I want And we're scared to actually commit to something that we want. And we tend to live our lives through other people's approvals or wanting to fit into other people's schedules or to be liked by others. Was that watershed moment for you? Do you think that unlocked that thought for you that finally you were doing what you really wanted to do and not doing what others thought you should do?
2: Absolutely. I think that we start off as children so absolutely free and willing to say, I want, I mean, anybody that has kids or has hung around with them, or if you remember, I mean, do you want pizza? Yeah, you know, like (laughs) they're unbelievable.
3: They got Robert's attention. That's right.
2: (laughs) Right? And like, if you push into a kid and you say, are you sure you like pizza? They're like, are you crazy? Yes, I love pizza, right? And it's like this unequivocal yes to life, Mm. right? And- As we get older, if we don't honor that space in ourselves, we lose that ability. And so this was, I think the first time for me where I had started to allow myself permission to say what I wanted without like destroying it within three seconds, right? I mean, I gave it at least 10 minutes to breathe until I probably went back to (laughs) arguing my way out of it with myself again. But it's a muscle that we lose access to. And I think over time, it becomes harder and harder, but once you connect to it and you practice it, you can get back to that childlike authenticity.
3: How did you know that writing was your thing? Like, is it, is it, do you think back to, a, you obviously went through lots of different options. Was there a key to getting to that point, Laura? Because I like the idea of, taking the first little step, just doing something to move toward that thing? Was there something that helped you unlock the fact that, you know what, it's writing. Writing's writing's probably it.
2: This is what's so funny, right, is that I work with all these clients and they're they're struggling with the same thing. I say, what do you want? They can't say it, or if they do say it, they say it. And then immediately they start to just sabotage it. Yeah, but I can't for these 15 reasons.
0: Mm.
2: Um, But the truth is, is that our life leaves us Such obvious and loud clues, we just refuse to pay attention because we've been indoctrinated into thinking because of mentors, culture, all these different things. And not because anybody has bad intentions, but just because it's kind of how the world is Um, into believing other people's dreams should be ours, right? Mm. I always, I mean, when I was in high school, my friends used to say, Laura, the philosopher, like they would joke all the time. I mean, the only thing I cared about in school, I was a terrible student, um, except when I got turned on to philosophy and philosophy was all about writing. And I, you know, it was the only thing in school I didn't uh, wait to do, right? Like everything else I procrastinated and I was just dreading, but loved it. Um, And I thought, you know, I should write this book. I came up with a book idea in college. I hear a lot of people who are entrepreneurs. They say, I came up with a business when I was 10. I just interviewed um, somebody who has a big business in Chicago. And she said, you know, at 10, I wanted to be a business owner. I started a camp. That wasn't me. So here I am in this business. My brother and I did the business together. He was always starting stuff like that. He started a business in school. I was thinking about a book I wanted to write. So I think we know these things, but we just don't give ourselves permission.
3: You know, I've never, I've never heard that said before, or I that's such a great tool for our listeners to use is if you're looking for that thing Think back through your childhood, your teens, your youth. What's the thing that you never waited to do? Because Jenna the thing where you had no fear. It was just it just came from within you, didn't it? Like it was just something you you loved yeah. to do. You didn't have to think about it. That's such a, that's gold. There's gold in them philosophical books. I'm telling you, that was, that's good.
2: And then, you know, I really like to add in just this idea of flexibility because people will say, oh, come on, but the thing I love, you'll never make money, but, you know, There's ways to to be creative around it. You know, you don't have to be so singular in, I like to write, so I'm only going to write. And if my book doesn't sell, I'm going to be broke, right? Like I started coaching and I've- um, uh, I'm starting an online class, right? So there's a lot of things you can do. Mm. Uh, it doesn't have to be a 100% that thing that supports the thing that you love.
3: At the top of the show, Laura, you talked about emotional obesity. And I know you've written a lot about this and you've got a book around this topic. What Can you just describe to us um, the definition of what is emotional obesity?
2: Yeah, and so it's, it's really like a metaphor, right? But the idea is mm. that... Um, If we go back to that child I mentioned, right, who was happily screaming, yay, pizza. And then (laughs) you have the, the parent or the coach or somebody who just starts to say, you don't look good in green. Your hair looks better longer than shorter. Um... Uh, why didn't you get straight A's? Uh, why can't you pay attention? So it depends on the kid, right? The artist um, child maybe gets yelled at for being dreamy, and they um, shut down over time and don't know what to do with their artistic abilities. Um, the the sort of high achieving kind of kid, if you know, they're told, "Well, what do you mean you got a B? You didn't get an A." They start to you know become perfectionistic and and stressed out in their life. So. These messages, right, that we get through culture, through for, through mentors, they start to layer in. And when I say that, they become the thoughts in our head. And the thing that's so tricky is that when we're thinking all day long, right, unconsciously, we're driving in our car, we're doing whatever we're doing, the thoughts in our head they sound exactly like us they use the same voice the same cadence the same rhythm they don't take on what i call these imposters right they don't if they sounded like the gym teacher that said that horrible thing to you it would be not easy to say oh my god i can't believe i'm still thinking about joe the gym teacher mm. but it sounds like you and so now there you are living your life and the thoughts in your head are no longer are yours. They belong to sort of all of these influences. And so that's the weight, right? These things you carry around. And they unfortunately drive a lot of our decisions. Um, and we, you know, we design our life based on thoughts that don't belong to us.
1: How far, how far back to those memories, like you're talking about gym teachers and stuff, which we could say maybe 12, 13, 14 How far back do you think those memories go? Like, are we talking back to four, five, six years old that those voices come back to us from?
2: You know, I think it's different for different people. Um, You know, I've had the privilege of talking to uh, Dr. Shefali, who specializes in childhood development. But apparently at 10 is when the... Um, splitting really happens for kids if they're really just told the same thing over and over and over, that this stuff actually takes an imprint and it becomes the way we think about our lives. Um, But, you know, I think people can say, God, as, as far back as I can remember... Um, this person said this message to me 20 times a day mm. versus somebody else who would say, God, I was pretty good. I had good parents, but I had this one coach and this one mm. experience, or you know what I mean? And it's like this life defining moment that just can't get out of our head. So I think it really depends on the person. Yeah, It's just more that you're still carrying it around um, yeah. unconsciously thinking it's not really doing much, but I think it's really deeply impactful.
1: Well, here's, here's the one for me that, re- that reminded me of when you were talking is my earliest memory of that sort of thing was my music teacher when I was in year two, so second class. So what's that, about eight or nine. And we would, yeah. it was in music and we had to draw a treble clef. And I drew it wrong. And I remember distinctly my teacher's words to me were, oh yeah, I thought you'd get it wrong. And now oh. whenever I draw a treble clef, I oh. think of that moment still at 46 years of age. I still remember that right. clear as day.
2: Right? It's amazing. And then we say to ourselves, oh, come on, suck it up, push through it, don't talk about it, right? Which I yeah. think is the opposite. And so what I challenge people to do is actually put it out, talk about it, yeah. and then challenge it. Like, come on, like, who is that teacher? That sounds like a bully, right? Like, yeah, exactly. You can draw it now. You're, you're... Mm-hmm. <laughs>
3: yeah. I draw them every day. Are... Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, exactly, right? Yeah,
3: Yeah. Laura, yeah. Yeah. we... We must carry this emotional obesity, which I think is a fantastic premise. And you hear about people who are carrying physically too much weight. And it's not until they see a photo of themselves at somebody's wedding and they look at the photo and go, oh my God, I can't believe that's me. And it's a wake up call for them. But every day they're looking in the mirror, they've been putting on clothes, they've had jeans or something that's been too tight for them. I suspect emotional obesity is the same how do we tell like how does someone tell how much weight they're carrying
2: yeah i'm so glad you brought this up i i hit the same frustration point right we can run down to the bed bath and beyond i don't know what it is in australia but yes, yeah, the we, get that. Is- yeah,
1: we do we <laughs> okay.
0: yeah.
2: um, we can go by a scale jump on right if if that doesn't happen because we are avoiding the scale we can tell by our clothes or we go to a doctor's visit and they you know very bluntly remind us but there's no doctor's visit for our emotional health unless we check ourselves into a therapy office um there's no clothes that start to right it it's the only real way to tell is how much do you feel weighted down when do how often are you saying I dread doing this right how much of your life just feels like I'm, we we know it right because we feel it we feel so depleted by it but I I didn't think that was really enough. So I um, I went back to all the concepts that I had read from uh, ancient philosophy, the Greek, the, to, the Toltec. I mean, I swear to God, like the Eastern philosophy. And I pulled out all the concepts that had influenced me in the book. Um, and I made them into a quiz. So you can, uh, it's not perfect, right? But it's it's a way, if you go to my website, you can hop on this emotional scale uh, for free, but you you can weigh yourself emotionally, right? And it's subjective. So you have to like, you know, try not to be too hard on yourself or breeze through it. But it gives you some guiding post because what I really find with a lot of people is uh, there's a couple things that really plague them. It's not 50 things. Um, So somebody may make a ton of assumptions every day and Mm -hmm. that's just driving them crazy. Whereas somebody else has just gotten into the victim mindset and that's what's really taking them out. Um, So at least it gives you something to uh, start the process. So
3: if I jump on the scale... And then you give me an indication via the scale that I need to do some work and lose some emotional obesity. Can you take me through your daily emotional workout routine?
2: Yeah, so um, I'm actually coming out, I haven't told this publicly yet, but um, I'm coming out with an entire emotional workout system in an online class. Oh, cool. uh, but I wrote yeah, I wrote 2,000 words on each one of the things for the scale, and it'll come with... Um, with a little uh, explanation for me through through audio, but um, the goal is to become aware of the thing that you do. But the workout is first to notice in real life, like okay, I'm I'm walking in the world, and that barista looked at me strangely at this at the Starbucks. I have to have the awareness, right? Oh, okay, I'm I'm starting to make an assumption. Or if your thing is anger, I'm starting to f- like flip out for some reason, right? Um, if I have uh an issue with like negative self-talk or self-love with myself maybe i just start to beat on myself from the minute i open my eyes in the morning and with that awareness you you can start to take action um if it's assumptions right like ask better questions um so each one of these i give a different um idea for what to do but if you're dealing with assumptions become a great question asker because you y- don't know what somebody else is thinking. You you can't. So making assumptions about what they're thinking is crazy, but asking them amazing questions is really easy. And my clients are like, oh my God, I thought my cousin was super angry. I asked this question and he wasn't. <laughs> like, I got to move on with my day. So... it's really, uh, it's, it's really dependent on the thing that's going on with you, but it's really about the awareness and then taking steps to, um, work against it. If, if it's like negative self-talk from the moment you start brushing your teeth in the morning, right? Like I would definitely say, what are a few things that you like about yourself? Can you reinforce those on a regular basis? Where did you get these messages? Are they really true? You know, who told you this? And, And so it, it's, um, that's the quote unquote workout. And it's not about being perfect, right? It's hmm. just uh, building the muscle and getting better at it.
3: Laura, is there an association between assumptions and expectations?
2: Yeah. I mean, I think we make an assumption and we have expectations and um, we feel very, very, very frustrated when the world doesn't mirror this back to us.
0: Hmm. Hmm. And,
2: you know, the thing about the world that's funny is if you're trying to control everything outside of you, it becomes extremely frustrating very quickly because we can't control what other people are thinking or Mm. setting expectations about how the day is going to go. It may not go that way, right? (laughs) And so, I mean, the weather, like there's all these things we don't control. So managing yourself and the expectation you have of the day, like I I certainly am somebody who sets a goal, but then you got to like roll with what actually happens.
3: So just on that, Uh, Laura, I know you're a great um, fan of the great philosophers, and I, I, I must say, it's only been the last few months I've been influenced to start looking at some of the Stoics. And you quoted Marcus Aurelius from Meditations, and he said, "If you are distressed by anything external, the pain is not due to the thing itself, but your estimate of it, and this you have the power to revoke at any moment." So. That's going back to your last comment, isn't it? Is that that idea that it's not actually what went on, it's how you deal with it. In your mind with your coaching, is there a tip you give people to help them through that audit, to catch themselves and be able to reframe what's going on?
2: I think that absolutely and by the way, such a great quote, right? Like this guy is <laughs> so, so smart. It's like, we're all trying to feel better. And meanwhile, 2,000 years ago, he just laid it out perfectly. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, for me, the the number one thing that I say in coaching is, you know, mostly people are in this position because we don't have the awareness. I mean, it yes, there are practical tips and and ways to make it, you know, better and better. And there's people doing great work out there, but I never thought about it. I don't know about you guys, but I never thought about the idea that I control nothing outside of myself. I was always complaining, Mm. oh, the weather, it's so annoying today. Mm. It's like, you know, raining and I wanted it to be sunny. How can you spend your time worrying about that you have no control over it or you know i can't believe so and so said that comment or you know i just wish so i um i sent a text out and i didn't get a text back and they hate me right like we we create and draft all of these narratives so for me the number one thing is becoming aware of these ideas and then really becoming an incredible storyteller Um, all day long, whether you're conscious or not, you are telling stories. You're writing narratives about your experiences. And so if you can just really be mindful of what your narratives are, right? Am I, look, I'm still, I still do this stuff, right? Like I still walk outside and look at Chicago and it's gray again and I'm, bummed about it. I wish it was, you know, 80 and sunny, but I catch myself and I change my narrative because I live mm-hmm. in Chicago. This is the deal. Let it go, right? Like um and you know, if I don't get that text back from a friend and I start wondering, have I done something? Are they mad at me? Like, uh, you know, wh- why are they getting back to me? I stop myself and I notice like maybe the person had a medical emergency, like that's a huge assumption of my part. Don't, don't go there. So it's, um, it's a, just bringing awareness to it and then really challenging yourself on your narratives, uh, shifting out what I call junk food thoughts for nutritional thoughts.
0: It's halftime on the Mojo Show and time to pause. For a cause.
2: Hi, I'm Shelley Whitehurst, and I'm one of the co founders of Kit for Cancer. We create curated kits for patients going through the cancer journey. I currently also have stage four bilateral breast cancer, so everything in the Kit is everything that we use and it's really, really important that they, um, their loved ones give something to their cancer, to someone that they love that's had cancer, you know, and make that journey a little bit easier. So go to kitforcancer.com and if someone you love has been diagnosed with cancer,
3: you can buy them a really cool gift there.
0: The Mojo Radio Show. It's
3: interesting, Robbo and I talk often between ourselves and with guests about curiosity. And I've never really thought about the curiosity part of being curious to yourself. You're really flipping it around and being curious about yourself as well, aren't you?
2: Absolutely, right? I, I actually think you're right, like our, our lives are often just statements back and forth because we're afraid to ask great questions of the people around us because we've made so many assumptions and we have so many expectations of what they might say that we we convince ourselves out of it. So I think that's a big piece. But then, yeah, this curiosity of self, right? What happens if you turn in and you start to look at what you see and it's not pretty in there, mm-hmm. right? I have a joke I have, but um, <laughs> most people grimace pretty quickly. Like, what if I told you that You know, I'm going to put a little chip in your head for a second. It it comes in and out. Don't worry. It's not going to, you know, need a medical team. Um, And it's going to record your thoughts for an hour right? And I'm going to take that little chip after I've recorded your thoughts for an hour and I'm going to play it on loudspeakers for all your friends and family.
1: Including my (laughs) (laughs) ex-wife. That's ugly. (laughs) (laughs) It's ugly, right?
2: And so why would I want to be curious about myself when it's just a hot mess in there, right? Is I think Mm -hmm. most people's reaction. Um, and that's really, again, this emotional obesity idea. It's like, oh my God, I'm not going in there. But the truth is, um, If you learn to, I think meditation's a great tool. If you take a whole learn how to breathe properly, you just like let some of these thoughts go by and you recognize the thoughts aren't you. That's just the stuff moving through your head and uh, get better at, at, you know, is this something I am choosing to think about? Is this just nonsense? Is, is it like, I didn't sleep well. Maybe some, you're just grumpy because you had a bad night of sleep, right? Like you haven't eaten or something, right? So I think it, not to be afraid of what's going on inside of yourself and and to um, have some more curiosity, it requires a little more self-love, right? Mm,
3: definitely. It's almost like a, like a self-audit, isn't it? What, what I'm sort of hearing through the interview, Laura, it's almost like taking the time out to be quiet and still and doing a self audit on yourself and more so your thoughts and anything, isn't it?
2: Absolutely. I mean, it's, you know, we wake up, we open our eyes, we jump, you know, to brush our teeth, comb our hair, go downstairs. We do a hundred things to take care of our physical selves before we left the house. But what have we done to think about our internal life, right? Like what's going on in my head? Am, am Am I already like... 50, you know, tasks deep in my mind, Mm. Um, you know, am I already like running a story about a difficult conversation I have to have today and just, you know, sick about it? We don't pay attention because a lot of us were taught, you know, that's ridiculous. Just, just suck it up. Just, just, um, you know, deal with it. Right. Like that's childish to, to question your own feelings, but I think it's the opposite. It's about taking that moment of stillness and it doesn't take much. I mean, mm. it, this isn't this isn't a three-hour meditation. <laughs> this is just a regular, as much as I'm going to go get a latte, as much as I'm going to get another espresso, as much as I'm going to, you know, stop to have lunch, I'm just checking in all day. Where am I? That's it. Mm.
3: You've you mentioned children um, a couple of times, and our audience primarily are people who either maybe are fortunate enough to have children or at some point seeking about having children. And going back to Robbo's point there, we've got to be very careful with how we influence our children from a young age because they can carry those things. Yet you wrote that at a young age, we're told to get over our feelings. And we've mentioned feelings a few times as being the layers that can create this uh, emotional obesity. What advice would you give to parents, Laura, with respect to this emotional obesity feelings, assumptions. Is there something you would suggest parents do immediately to move toward opening up princes and princesses of possibility in our children?
2: Absolutely. Um, first of all, there's a whole movement of uh, conscious parenting that I think is extraordinary. And it's really, this whole idea is um, is the earlier side of the work I'm doing, right? Like, how do we stop this stuff at its inception? And for parents out there, people thinking about becoming a parent, (laughs) we have all of these thoughts, right? We talked about imposter thoughts, all these ideas that have been placed in our head about how our child should behave, how they should act, um, what kinds of grades they should get, how it reflects Mm. on us, right? Like how they're speaking is a direct insult to us. It's like endlessly self-involved. And it's not because we don't love our children, right? It's like, we love them so much that we make them almost mirrors to ourselves, and we become triggered. And then we take all that stuff out on our children. And so the biggest thing you can do if you're a parent is to start to recognize, oh my God, this is my emotional weight. This is my stuff. And deal with that in your own time and space, right? Like figure out how to manage all the thoughts in your head or the, you know, the bad mood you walked in from work or what have you and not put that on your child and then question all of these expectations um, and ideals that you have for your child. Is this how you really feel? Because the number one thing you can do to take down a child is to impose all this reality on them, and it doesn't it doesn't work for them. That's how they end up emotionally overweight. Um, so honoring the child instead, asking them good questions, you know, they come home with a bad grade. What happened? You know, Um, how do you feel about it? (laughs) Maybe they're an athlete and they don't care that much, right? (laughs) It's like you can't make them care. Maybe they're an artist and like they're going to do amazing things, but calculus is just not resonating, right? Even though you're a math guy. So I just think like be really, really like take the time to honor and cherish the child for the person they're going to become instead of
3: some image of yourself. Does your entire family buy into this, Laura? You
2: know, I don't find that as much as I find most people, you know, they're like, that's so nice. I can't deal with it. It's too much effort. Um, <laughs> intellectually, I hear you, but I'm just uh, I don't know that I'm down,
3: <laughs> down for that much work. <laughs> that's so nice. Intellectually, I hear you, but.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a lot of work to keep checking in with myself, right? So I mean, I'm like definitely way into it, um, but I think, um, I tried to create a home with my son that's very, 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 uh, open and honest. And, you know, where I really am practicing these ideas and, you know, I, I just go for like the 70% role, right? I mm-hmm. I don't want to get it right all the time. It's just, it's like, some days are just bad and you just say, wow, I'm just really going to go watch Netflix for the next two hours. (laughs) Not helping anybody right now. (laughs) Um, And, you know, my brother is a serious, like, he moved on from the entrepreneurial world that we, we did that business together. And he's just doing some massive, massive business. And he, you know, he thinks what I'm doing. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like. do you you meditate and sit on a mountain? And, you know, he's got that whole thing. And that's really like, my goal is to say this isn't about like going to India and jumping on a mountain. This isn't five hours of meditation. This is just little things you can add into your day, just creating that awareness, doing anything at all will make you feel a million times better.
3: Uh, we can let you go because I know you've got a busy day um, over there in, in Chicago. Robbo, um, I think Laura is sufficiently warmed up for the big question.
1: Yeah, that's the one we've been waiting for the whole program really, isn't it? Let's really? be
3: honest. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> Listen, Laura, the, this, this is a, the, you've got a lot to live up to, by the way, because I had a spectacular answer to this a couple of weeks ago. So I'm looking for big things from you. <laughs> no. Just to put a little more emotional weight behind what I'm talking to you about. Um, you hop out of bed in the morning, you've got a big day ahead of you. You're not Your mojo's sort of not quite ticking over. You're not feeling up to it, really. So you jump in the car or you hop on the bus, you turn some music on on your headphones or on the, in the car. What's your go-to song to get your mojo pumping?
2: Oh, I am so on this one. So <laughs> I have just spent the entire year um writing and stuff and i i've always got this playlist going
1: mm.
2: my absolute go to right now is sia alive yeah i mean it was uh, it, it totally like, gets me going every single time. If I'm not in the mood for that, it's Coldplay, but they both dropped new albums in the last um, few months and uh, it, it just puts me in the best mood for, for anything I'm doing. There
1: you go. We, we were talking to a lady a couple of weeks ago who works in neuroscience and we had this really heavy hitting interview <laughs> with her. Sue Langley was her name. She's a lovely lady. And I hit her with that question at the end of the interview. Do you know her favorite band? <laughs>
3: what? Metallica. No. <laughs> <laughs> so That's in, awesome, she, though.
2: Don't you love that?
3: Absolutely. That's like, she's in the Mojo Radio Show Hall of Fame for that and one. Do, that was do, a cracker.
1: Do you know what her words <laughs> to me were? Her words were, "I got to get. I get in the car. I crank it up. I wind the windows down, and I drive."
2: <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome.
3: So yeah, I love it. Is there a book, apart from your own, that you would highly recommend our listeners go to and read, Laura, that would build upon the things we've been talking about in the show? We'll talk about your book in a second. Is there another, another book that you'd love that you would recommend?
2: For sure. I mean, my absolute favorite go-to for somebody who's like newer to these ideas, doesn't want to be too overwhelmed, um, the Four Agreements by Miguel Riaz is just exceptional. If you're more into meditation, um, Pema Chardron, a a Buddhist monk, um, she does incredible audios um, if you're looking to be amused and learn about mindfulness.
3: Oh, really? How do you spell that?
2: It's uh, Pema, P-E-M-A, And the last name is C-H-O-D-R-O-N. And if you're dealing with anger at all, she has something called Don't Bite the Hook. Um, I just can't stop recommending that to people.
1: Now, you've also got a podcast coming out you mentioned. Do you want to give that a bit of a plug?
2: Absolutely. I, you know, I decided that... um, This whole adventure was originally, it started with this idea of authenticity. And because I realized I had so much emotional layering going on, I had to like (laughs) detour and figure out all this emotional weight. And I've loved every minute of it. And and I'm, um, but I thought, wow, full circle. Mm. What about a podcast called Mm. The Art of Authenticity, where I talk to people who are successful by all definitions of the word? Um, We have, you know, best selling authors through to business leaders, entrepreneurs. But like, what does it mean to have an authentic life? What does it mean for them to live a life that feels good to them? Um, how do they think about that? So we have great conversations about their work, everything they're doing, but then we we really dive into authenticity.
3: And look, I know you're probably too embarrassed to ask it, but Rob and I will be delighted to be with you. Of course.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I would love that. That
3: would be awesome. Uh, before we get your contact details, um, Laura, just one, one, one final question that, you wrote something which I, I loved. You said that um, we talk about what stands in the way as being time, but it's not time. It's choices. What choice would you like to see our listeners make immediately after this show?
2: Oh, that's such a great question. Um, yeah, because, you know, we we feel like we have no time, but the truth is we're filling up our days and we are making choices about how we, we choose to spend our time and we don't feel that way anymore because we're so busy. <laughs> if I had one thing that I would love for everybody to make a choice to do, it would be to take a moment, challenge yourself. What is the one thing that you're repeating to yourself that is just weighing you down? Is there mm. another way to think about it? Put it on a piece of paper, Um you know, say it to a friend. Whatever works for you, but challenge yourself to think about one narrative, one story you've been telling for years of your life, and think: Is there a way that I could say that differently and free myself from this this story that I've been telling myself that's just doing nothing but um, making me feel bad daily?
3: Uh, what a great way to finish! I, finish with I gold. have to tell you, this shit, yeah, this is gold, gold the gold. <laughs> yeah. um, this this has Thanks. been just a fantastic show, Laura. I thoroughly enjoyed hearing. I could talk to you for hours. We we have to do a long form version of the Mojo Radio Show because there's so much more that I wanted to talk to you about. Um, but I respect your time, and there'll be people listening who will want to know more about you, your books, your work, your coaching. Uh, the online program you're working on. Where where can we find, where can people find you?
2: Yeah, you can find everything at emotionalobesity.com or my name, lauraco.com. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Laura S. Co. Um And guys, thank you so much. You're um, just inspired with your questions and I've just really loved chatting with
3: you. I write all Gary's stuff. So yeah, thank you for that. <laughs> 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 this, has been, uh, this has been a real blast. We, um, we actually got in contact, for the listeners, Laura and I got in contact over Twitter with each other's material and um, I'm very thankful that that happened and I would highly suggest people go and check out Laura's work because the scale is there as well. This is a quick aside before we go, which I think was terribly valuable is that if people wanted to check their emotional obesity levels, the scale is at your website as well for free, isn't it, Laura?
2: Yeah, yeah. You can jump on right now. Um, We're actually coming out with a new version in a few days, but um, it's it's all set and uh, hundreds and hundreds of people have hopped on already.
1: You're not going to plug that chip inside my head when I get there, are you? (laughs)
3: No. The whole interview just took a nasty turn because Robert went, pizza, yay!
1: Jumping on a a style, Mm, Not so much. Not so much. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) There
3: you go, right? Thanks, Laura. Yeah, thanks so
0: much. We'll keep in touch.
2: Thank you. Thank you guys so much.
0: Getting your mojo working. This Um.
2: is
3: the Mojo Radio
0: Show. Well,
1: I'm off to uh, jump on the scales, I think.
0: (laughs) Honestly,
3: I've got another page of questions to Uh ask, Laura. I thought that was just an absolute cracker.
1: Mm. An absolute cracker. Mm. I really enjoyed recording that interview with her. She's um, she's
3: not only full of knowledge, but she's also a very lovely lady. Lovely lady. Mm. And I'll just say to our listeners... And and I don't say this for any other reason except that we know that happiness comes when you help others. Mm. And if you like this show and you, like us, took a lot out of it, my recommendation is send the link to somebody else or tell them about it, share it, put it in a newsletter, put it in an article, tell somebody across the dinner table. Because that really was a great show and most of us carry emotional obesity in one form or another. And this this is very profound. It's very powerful. And this, in a podcast sense, the way that Laura talks about it, that can have a big impact on people who are going through tough times or are looking to be better.
1: Absolutely. Agreed. Short and simple and
3: sweet, basically, is the message there. I totally agree with you. Gary's 20 cents worth. Now, I have got one little piece to finish with. um, Mm. And this is based on a conversation that we've had on the Mojo Radio Show for the last couple of weeks based on sugar. Speaking of obesity, let's just go from emotional obesity to physical (laughs) obesity. Yes. And if you are a regular podcast listener across the blogosphere, webosphere, podiscastosphere, you would have heard the name JJ Virgin. And JJ Virgin is basically a food and wellness expert who's got an amazing backstory, best-selling author, is a guest on a lot of podcasts talking about wellness and particularly around food and and how we look after ourselves. And I will put this in the show notes, but JJ Virgin wrote a blog and it was called The 14 Rules I Follow When Eating Fruit. Now, JJ's premise is that we're told that we should eat more fruit and veggies. And lately, fruit has become more heavily scrutinized because Although fruit does offer vitamins, minerals, and antioxidants, there is now a train of thought that not all fruit is equal and that some fruits can actually be jacking up our blood sugar levels. For example, Mm. uh, one of the things that JJ Virgin talks about is being very aware of high glycemic sweeter fruits like bananas, mangoes, and grapes because they can instantly jack up your blood sugar levels and – If you do want mental alertness, like you're at a conference and the fruit platter is served, quite often we have these things thinking they're really good for us, but 20 minutes or half an hour later, we can find ourselves trying to keep our eyes open. Mm. What JJ is saying is that although there are a lot of health benefits, you are better off going down with the lower sugar options like blueberries and raspberries, which also carry a lot of antioxidants. So... It's a really interesting read. Um, I liked it in particular because I do find myself, when I do have bananas or mangoes, which I love a dessert, have them at night time if you're about to go to bed. But during the day, we're looking for mental alertness and you want a bit of mojo going to get it done. It could be a short-term source of energy, but the longer term you find you do crash, whereas berries, as has been written about, we've talked about before, is a lot better for you. Mm. Uh, The other thing that is interesting with what JJ talked about is that frozen fruits are fine. Now, this is something I discovered way early in the Mojo Radio show, but uh, blueberries and cherries and avocado, which actually is considered a fruit. uh, Buying the frozen version saves you so much money, it's snap frozen, and that can be an awesome way for you to have your fruit on hand all the time and be able to get the right fruits into your shakes or into your breakfast. So, I'd be going the frozen option. Here's a layman's question for you. What's worse for me, white sugar or fructose? Well, commonly, the belief is that with fructose that comes from, say, fruit, But by having the whole piece of fruit, you also get the fiber, which will slow down the processing of the sugar. Right. Whereas with a teaspoon of sugar, it's just a straight sugar hit, which can increase your blood sugar levels. So there is the benefits of all the vitamins and fiber that would normally go with a piece of fruit and fructose, whereas Mm. a white teaspoon of sugar is just sugar. There's no... Vitamin value, there's no fiber value. So, Mm. I guess that's kind of one part of the argument of you know, a dried piece of fruit Mm. um, versus things like candy. Yeah. Uh, So, you know, we eat like raisins or dates or that sort of stuff. Um, But you do get a little bit of fiber value in that sort of stuff, but it's not really enough nutrients and antioxidants to offset the impact of what the sugar is going to have on your insulin levels. Mm. So, it's, it is a, it's a sensitive debate. That's why it's so interesting with this stuff is that, you know, when JJ Virgin talks about the fact that we say more eat more fruit and veggies, that's true. Mm. In a perfect world, you would be eating the right sorts of fruit. Yeah. And it's also, you know, the thing she makes a point of just on that, uh, Rob, is um, when she talks about uh, fruit juices. Mm-hmm. We go in and buy a juice. Is a fruit juice better than like a veggie juice in the ideal world? you'd have a veggie juice with limited fruit in it. Mm. You know what I mean? Rather than just going in and buying this beautiful big cocktail of fruit you see at the juice store, Mm. that can actually just be a massive sugar hit where you're better off having veggies with a little bit of fruit in there Mm. Uh, so you get all the vitamins and fiber and everything else, but you don't get the massive sugar hit. It is interesting when you monitor your own health, and I don't say keep a diary so much, but... When you find yourself tired, when you find yourself foggy in the head, when you just lose your zap, your pizzazz, your get up and go, it is interesting to trace back to what did I eat 30 minutes, 40 minutes prior to that point, because that's when it really hits your system and the outcome can be good, as in energy drive, clarity of thought, get up and go, or it can be... I just want to sit down and snooze.
1: Well, I think my takeout from that is that I need to find some high fiber Tim Tams.
3: Yeah, the um, <laughs> I think they're doing a new raspberry <laughs> and cherry Tim Tam, which could just be right in your life. Absolutely, it sounds like <laughs> me for sure. And you can freeze them. <laughs> That's right. The
0: Mojo Radio Show.
3: So Robbo, as a play out this week, why don't we turn? Why don't we turn the heat lamp on Robbo and say, "What is your go to Mojo song?" So you walk in the studio mm-hmm. at the wee hours of the morning to do a recording session with somebody somewhere in the world, you've got your fish of a roast, but you're just not feeling it. You Mm. put on a track, Mm. you crank it to 11 to get your mojo work, get you the right mind space for the gig. Mm. What's your go-to track?
1: Well, you should know the answer to this because you hear it often enough. It's um, it's Led Zeppelin's <laughs> rock and roll. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
3: And let me pose a second question to you. Mm.
1: Why that track? Why that track? I just, I, how could you not get get inspired by that riff and those drums at the beginning, at the intro, you know? It's just insane, isn't it? And there's actually an interesting story that goes behind that. It was um, the band were in the studio stuck for an idea and, um, and John Bonham, their drummer at the time, um, started playing the intro to Little Richard's "Keep a Knockin', you know that song? Mm-hmm.
0: Yep, yep. Keep a knocking, Keep a
1: knocking, Yeah. Well, guitarist Jimmy Page started noodling around and mucking around and came up with that iconic riff, which is just, you mm-hmm. know, as soon as I hear it, the, ha- the hairs on my arm stand up every time. And, um, and 15 minutes later, they'd basically recorded what would become that song, Rock and Roll. Yeah. So, um, so the lesson in there is, you know, something we've talked about a lot on the show is noodling, just, you know, yeah. sitting down and playing around with the idea until and, and it sort of moulds itself into something that's just unreal, like this song. <laughs> yeah.
3: Well, it does, and it's not just in a music sense, but anyone listening to it, uh, I remember I was doing a job in London Uh, And I was speaking on a platform with Michel Roux, who is a three-star Michelin chef who runs a very, very successful, long-running restaurant in London called Le Gavroche, very, very big-time French restaurant. And I think he's a second or third-generation Roux behind his uncle and father, Albert, and so on. But I was talking to Michel about creativity and innovation, and and he talked a lot about tinkering. Mm. He said, it's very hard when you run a French restaurant that's 40 years in the making and Mm. very traditional to make wholesale changes, but he's always tinkering. He said he comes back from a run at lunchtime and he's always just adding a little bit of spice or changing this, changing that. He said tinkering is a big part of what he does. And it's probably the same thing in business is looking at systems, processes, how we recruit people, how we train people, remunerate our product we sell, at home hobbies it's just tinkering and I think noodling as the guy said is the way of the musicians do it but we could do it in any aspect of our life it's just that exploration and curiosity about well what if I just changed this
1: Mm, mm. yeah or just twinkle with that yeah
3: but I think enough said yeah
1: hang on just just one second just listen to this Doesn't that get your blood going? Come on.